And so what they did was they they uh, they had all the writers write uh, these spec scripts. They blacked out everybody's name, and then they chose the, th- the three scripts that they liked the best, and that was their um, those would be their writers for the season. Um, and uh, luckily, they liked. My, I was one, two, and three, so what? I got the wow. job. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> It's the Liars Club Podcast, a weekly conversation filled with insights, tips, and secrets from the myriad of creative people who make stuff up for a living. Stay tuned and you can hear from New York Times bestselling authors, National Book Award finalists, debut novelists, screenwriters, musicians, composers, cartoonists, actors, stand-up comedians, line tamers, and all manner of creators who burn the midnight oil and sometimes their dinner. Whether you're a reader or a fellow writer, join us as we plumb the depths of the creative process for inspiration, semi-plausible stories, and a few laughs. So grab a libation, sit back, and spend some quality time with the creative folks who make stuff up for a living in a lively conversation with the Liars Club. Say a few words for me. I can say all sorts of things like atmosphere and... <laughs> That's a good word. Don't That's stop. Word. You should have warned him. <laughs> Talk nerdy to you, is that what you want? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> she blinded me with science. No, okay. But just... Yeah. Get that out of my system now. Just okay. so you know, I mean, we we have had other folks that have talked nerdy to us. Just so you know, I'm sure, and they can probably do it better than I can. Uh, I don't think. No, so. I don't know I about that. Pretty, I think you're, you're doing a good job. I think you're the first female. No, no, oh. well, long time. No, no, long time. Remember we had Leanne Lord on. She's a oh, cell. Yeah. yeah, no, she's a I she's forgot. a geek, geek, mm-hmm. geek, geek, big time geek, geek, nerdy geek. <laughs> We're good to go then. So, in a, in a strange so turn of affairs, we seem to vaguely have sound. So, if that's the case, I think we grab a grab a podcast while we can. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're here once again with the Liars Club Oddcast. No one knows why. No one ever knows why. <laughs> and so here we are, and we're going to get started. My name is Keith Strunk. Mary Jo. No, I'm not. No, you're, 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 <laughs> Start again. Start again. All over, over again. Take two. Hi, I'm Keith Strunk. <laughs> John McGoran, Gregory Frost, and Mary Jones. Okay. And today we have a very special guest with us. She's a geek, a lover of science of any size and its process of discovery. <coughs> she shows you how to tag along with kids of all ages as they experience a spectrum of science experiments from the tame table top to the explosive, messy sidewalk. That was said by Bill Nye, who ought to know, because our next guest is a four-time Emmy Award-winning writer for Bill Nye, the science guy, Lynn Brunell. That's me. Yep. <laughs> Lynn has over 25 years' experience writing for people of all ages across all media. She's the award-winning writer of over 45 titles a regular contributor to NBC um, and to Martha Stewart and to NPR and to, she's won five telly awards, two, how do you pronounce it? Cine? Cine? I think so. I, you know, I never say it. I just read it. Yeah. Cine awards for music videos. (laughs) She's been invited to speak at the UN um, and she's now got a new memoir out called Mama Gone Geek. So we want to welcome Lynn Brunel. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. 
So, so did you accept the invitation from the UN or did yeah. you just, just stand yeah, up? Yeah, I did, but I wanted to make sure that they knew who they were talking to first because I thought, gosh, is there a mistake? You really want me? <laughs> <laughs> no, tell about that. So uh, it, was a, it was a gathering of people to talk about uh, girls and women in the space sector. And they wanted me to come in to talk about, because it's, uh, it's actually really interesting with STEM and, and all sorts of science education, girls can outperform boys all the way through into college, all the way through college. But at about age 11, a lot of girls just decide they don't like science or decide that they can't be scientists or that they're just not interested. And so the question was, you know, at what point? point do we start to address this inequality in in science right you know do we do we look at it from the job perspective or is it a leaky pipeline that starts really really early hmm and and what's the answer do we know well, I think, you know, because I'm interested in kids in education, and I think, you know, at age 11, I totally understand why, you know, girls might just say, yeah, that's not for me, because if we think about what we, you know, we have as a common perception in our culture about scientists, it is the nerd, right? I mean, like, you can dress up as a nerd for Halloween. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so when you're an 11-year-old girl, um is that really what you want to aspire to? You know, it, 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 even on uh, TV, it's the butt of the joke. It's, you know, it's never the cool person that is the scientist, you know. And so I think what we're doing is we're, we're kind of closing off a certain part of the population. And not to mention, I think things are changing now, but in the past, video games and technical, mm-hmm. the yes. technical, pretty aimed at boys, yeah. you know. Well, do you think we should just change the image of scientists to make them like Barbie? Well, I don't know about Barbie. Barbie? I do think we could rebrand smart. I think we can rebrand science, you know. I think it's because it is cool. There's so many cool people out there doing cool things. Mm-hmm. I, there was a, uh, a fascinating story on NPR a few months ago, uh, and I don't know if it was overstating the case, but I think the premise was was really compelling. Uh, and they were talking about uh, – uh, basically they, say, they said that the um, – you know, the representation of genders in the computer sciences had been pretty equal uh, up until I think and I think it was they were kind of laying it at the feet of Radio Shack, I believe, when they first started selling computer kits as toys. Uh, and when they started marketing them, they're like, oh, well, who are we going to put on the box? And they, they were like, oh, we'll just put boys on the box. Oh, and, yeah. and they totally, you know, from that moment on, it was this very gender-directed yeah. uh, kind of marketing, and it became this self-perpetuating thing. Do you, think, do you think there's anything to that, or do you think that's overstating it? Yeah. Oh, no, I think that's like everything to it. And I, and I do think, you know, like well, we're, we're products of what we see in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. So if the sitcoms... Uh, you know, look at uh, like any of the sitcoms that have anything to do with science, right? Uh, Big Bang Theory, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There are smart women as well, but they're they're not like smart, cool women. They're you know the cool people are the ones that aren't as smart mm-hmm. in that show, and the and the smart people are the butt of the joke. So right. again, I think yeah, if we kind of tweaked that a little bit, um, it, it might do us a world of good. But you know what's different mm-hmm. than that are the medical shows. The women in all those, Grey's Anatomy and all that, they're all scientists. Yeah. They're doctors. Yeah. And yeah. they're also sex pods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know, although I don't think uh, you know, the science of those shows is as 
solid as some of the other science but um but i do love that and i think that they do show strong women in in places and interestingly enough what i learned at the un thing is that medical fields still pull women they still pull mm -hmm. girls um a lot of girls want to help you know that's what's what's happening and they want to do something that they can do to help the world and that kind of thing and and they don't for some reason see stem or or careers in stem as as those things that are going to fulfill that need for them they think of those as like you know it was interesting because I asked a bunch of 11-year-olds uh, and 12-year-olds, like, what does a scientist look like? And it was mm. just so interesting because what they, what the scientist looked like is a white guy in a lab coat, right. you know. So we're, and, still, we're still stuck with these uh, archetypes of, uh, of maybe mm -hmm. they've graduated from, you know, oh, you can grow up to be a nurse to you can grow up to be a doctor, but it's still sort of putting them in a certain track and limiting the girls to a certain direction. Well, Dr. Frankenstein was a man. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. That's true. He was written by a woman. So there. <laughs> she taught him. So. so, Lynn, let me ask you this. When I met you, you were a book editor for Workman. And so you've come through a whole, I mean, that was, I hate to say it, like 20 years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> it was. So you um, have had a whole career path since then. How did you get from there to, um, you know, your work in television and writing books? I was going to say, it's interesting, isn't it? When looking back, it looks like it's such a smooth journey. <laughs> but basically, you know, it's all about, for me, it was following what was interesting to me. Uh, my I, I used to be a classroom teacher um, way back in the day. Uh, my first classroom was the behavior problem kids. It's when they would take the kids that were trouble uh, and causing disruptions in the classroom and they'd stick them all in one classroom. And that was my first classroom. Yeah. was... 30, 30 problem kids, but I'll tell you, it was the making of me as a communicator and an educator because these kids, most of them were great. They just didn't learn in the same way. Traditionally, they just didn't, you know, we expect every kid to sort of listen to what we say, remember what we say and spit it back to us. And these kids were not those kids. Um, so... I had to find ways to get in and and make the information fun. And sometimes it was writing a song. Sometimes it was making a film strip. Sometimes it was making a cartoon, you know. Um, and so from... stuff up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Eventually get it there. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to New York, and my first job in New York was uh, at Scientific American Books for Young Readers. It mm. was a... A, a brand new imprint, and it was um, the idea was that they would have the leading scientists in the country writing these kids' books. Well, the leading scientists in the country kind of can't write for, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, like a normal human being, let alone eight-year-old kids. So that was an awesome job because I I got to ghostwrite a lot of things and um, cool. and try to make those try to make those really thick, heavy books really fun. Um, and then I and then I came to Workman, and I think that's when I met you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, and then from there, I had seen Bill Nye on TV, and I thought, oh, you know, I always wanted to do television. is interesting, you know. Nova, I thought was always a great show, yeah, and all those, you know, National Geographic specials just sent me as a kid. And uh, and I saw Bill Nye, and I thought, oh, I can I can help with that. I, he's doing <laughs> what I'm doing in books. He's doing it on TV, and I that looks fun. And uh, and so I. I sent in a few scripts and luckily got the job. So, boom, there I was. Wait, you just sent him scripts cold? 
<laughs> no, what happened was I called um, uh, and said, you know, I actually had to write it on a sticky. I was so nervous because I was very impressed with the show. And I was like, my name is Lynn Burnell. And I you know, wanted to know, but I thought maybe I could do freelance writing from New York City. And, um, and they were kind of like, yeah, you know, we have this pool of writers from L.A., you know, send a resume if you have to. And... <laughs> So I, I thought, oh, I'm not going to just send a resume. I'd worked on a lot of baby books and kids' books, and I, I knew that the executive producers had just had a baby. So I sent, instead of, like, a resume listing the books that I'd worked on, I sent all the books that I'd worked on because I thought that would be fun. Mm-hmm. And and it worked. I got their, I got their um, attention, and they said, okay, just send some spec scripts. And uh, and I said okay, and I hung up, and then I had to call a friend to find out what a spec script was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, important safety and, tip. Yes, right. exactly. And so what they did was they they uh, they had all the writers write uh, these spec scripts. They blacked out everybody's name, and then they chose the th- the three scripts that they liked the best, and that was their. Um, those would be their writers for the season. Um, and uh, luckily they liked, my, I was one, two, and three. So what? I got the wow. job. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And so, and so tell us, was it fun to work with Bill Nye? I mean, was he? Oh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just a blast. And it was a Disney um, project, but they left us alone and they let us do stuff. And to me, it was just ideal because it was like Saturday Night Live meets Mr. Wizard, right? You got to yeah. be funny, you got to be make parodies, you got to you know make fake songs, and uh, as long as you were just teaching something in the end, and it was just gosh, right up my alley. I loved it. Yeah, it sounds like a blast for you. So, so okay, I have a couple of questions about your books. You have one called Turn This Book Into a Beehive. That's yeah. everything you need to know about bees. And the bee, the book, it's not the bee, the book itself turns into a house that invites stingless bees to live in. You have pop bottle science, um, things you can do in a plastic pop bottle, um, and camp out, things to do outdoors. So I'm wondering, is part of your work... Um, trying to deal with current issues like environmental because a pop bottle, you're recycling all these pop bottles mm-hmm. and the bees are endangered now. And at a time when science is almost being denied by yeah. our government, oh. here you well, are. Almost. almost. <laughs> all I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, right, I was, right. you know, trying to be. Anyway, so, so, <laughs> so are you trying to uh, get kids to be aware of current issues at the same time that they're having fun? Yeah. I mean, my whole platform is that um, kids have a lot of power, and I don't think they always realize that they do. Um, And my big beef is when I read articles that just point out the problem and don't point out any solutions at all. Um, So the B book, which is my most recent one that came out this spring, um, I had read this article about the demise of the honeybees. and. And it was terrifying, this article. And, you know, know, the the bees are going to die. And if the bees die, then our food supply is going to die and the cotton is going to die. So we're going to be naked and hungry. The end. And it was like, (laughs) yeah. Is that really the end, or can we can we look at it's like who wants to share that stuff with kids? You know, much less with adults. Oh yeah, exactly. The the cover story from the New York Times Magazine last week was the the insect apocalypse, which is one of the most terrifying Mm -hmm. things I've read in a long, long time. Yeah, and it seems like nobody gets it. 
I know. Nobody, I think, well, I think what they do need to do is you, people need to stand up and look. And you're right, we can't keep denying these things. It's just ridiculous that it's being denied, but that's another story. Um, it's just, you know, it isn't as dire. I mean, it is dire, but we are not powerless. There are things that we can do. And I learned so many cool things about bees. I mean, I <laughs> thought before I wrote this book, I thought every single bee out there was a honeybee. I thought they all made honey. I thought they all stung. I thought they all had a queen and lived in a hive. And um, there are 20,000 species of bees out there what? and only seven, yes. wow. seven make honey. It's oh. like, there's a world I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that these native bees that are in our backyards anyway are incredible pollinators. And this is where we're going to find salvation, at least from the honeybee demise. Um, they're not making honey, but they're pollinating our plants. And they're doing it even better than the honeybees do. So... Um, that's what the book is. You actually take the last uh, signature of pages, you tear them out and roll them around a number two pencil, mm -hmm. and you make these tubes, and the cover turns inside out into a little house, and you put the tubes inside the house, and you hang it, and the bees that are around us anyway are going to come and make a home there. And I thought, God, you know, if we can turn the, the, the book actually into this environmental power tool for kids, then, I mean, it it gives them the feeling of... Uh, empowerment. Absolutely. But what when it great. rains? What about when it rains? Does the book get dissolved? No, the book gets the, wet. The, the cover is a, is a waterproof vinyl. Very cool. Yeah. And the, so those are mason bees, right? They're mason bees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, I actually uh, I wrote a, uh, a science thriller called Dead Out about about bees, and the, oh, yeah? the research was just it was just phenomenal. I and mean, one of the things that blew my mind up until the nineties, I think. Uh, all the honeybees in North America were descended from six hives brought over in the 1600s. What? Yeah, they're so it's all like from the colonists. I yeah. know, isn't that cool? It's, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. So, uh, yeah, fascinating. I love talking about bees. Um, <laughs> um, but, I, you know, getting back to what you were saying earlier, you know, we were talking about the, the kind of um, the anti-science uh, elements in our society and in our, our government right now. Do you feel like you're, you know, I mean, you're kind of fighting the good fight. Do you, do you feel like you're, you're kind of actively pushing against this, this kind of force of darkness that is, is trying to defeat science? I, I, you know, I feel like it's the only thing, you know, when it all happened, when the whole, you know, new administration happened, I just remember grieving, like thinking, yeah. oh, my God, what have we done? What have we done? Mm -hmm. And um, and I thought, well, what can I do? And the only thing that I can do is do what I do. And that's to just educate kids, mm -hmm. you know, and let let people know these things, because science itself doesn't care whether you believe in it or not. It is. You know, and right. that, and Same just getting, yes, right. yeah, exactly, right, and and all the answers are in there, you know, and uh, and I think just kind of, you know, I, I we also don't see it like where I am. I'm on on the west coast, and you know, a very progressive, you know, town. I don't see. I kind of am in a bubble. I don't see the people that are not believing in science. I'm just reading about them, right, and I'm seeing it in the news, and yeah, I'm just trying to do everything that I can to just sort of keep the information flowing and make it not, I mean, that's the other thing. I like to make things accessible and friendly and funny if possible. Um, but still, it's all just important stuff. You know, it all depends on whether or not people are going to let it in or if their garage doors are closed. Yeah. We, uh, we have our fair share of those folks here in Pennsylvania. We'll send some over for an exchange program. For <laughs> yes. Yes. 
you fix them for us and, and send them back. back. Okay, yeah. and ship them back. Yes, <laughs> ship them back. Yes. So, so I wonder, have Small you been? Hives. You know, you've been doing this for a little while now. Um, have you? Have you started to hear back from from kids who you inspired to go into the sciences? I have, you know, and it's amazing to me. It just like uh, it's the kind of like life changing notes from kids that said, you know, I didn't know I liked science until you came to my school and you talked about this, or you know, I, I you know, or I mean, <laughs> I was in New York last summer and I was uh, sitting in the audience of Hamilton I was just like delighted I could go I was with my older son and uh, just started chatting with the, the uh, woman and her daughter next to me and um, it came up that I wrote Pop Bottle Science she goes oh my god oh, <laughs> that book is why I'm a biology major uh-huh. and I was like, oh, oh my goodness wow that's, that's incredibly terrific. powerful that is so powerful really and I elbowed my 13-year-old son and said, see? <laughs> <laughs> All those times you doubted me. <laughs> and being, there, being 13, he said, Mom. Yeah, yeah really. Neither, please. <laughs> so, Lynn, many of our listeners are starting out as writers or trying to build careers as writers. Mm-hmm. How would someone who's interested in writing either for kids in television or kids books how would they get started i know there are two very different paths perhaps but what advice do you have for people who want to follow a similar career path well what i tell kids is you know that it doesn't just happen overnight and it's uh it's a tough business you know too i mean it's a tough business it's you know you get a lot of people saying no in fact you often get more times you hear the word no than you hear the word yes so you gotta kind of have a a a resolve before you start um but i tell kids you know read everything they can get their hands on and just write, 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 write down your ideas, write down your thoughts. You know, if you see an article, if it's nonfiction and it's science that you're interested in, read about it and just, you know, write it down conversationally. So as if you were telling somebody else, you know, like just trying to get that idea of communication uh, across, uh, but also to know that you do face obstacles. You just get no all the time. But if you think about it, I mean, that's nothing new. I mean, J.K. Rowling got rejected, what, 26 times before Harry Potter became, you know, and I think of that every single time I get a rejection because I still, you know, start from ground zero. It's not like I come up with a book idea and they say, oh, it's great. Let's do it. It's jump through this hoop, jump through this hoop. Maybe not. How about Mm -hmm. someone else? You know, Mm -hmm. Mary, you know. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> uh, she's going to be drinking heavily this evening. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be a grandma in the spring. Your book, Mama's Little Book of Tricks, do you think that can be used by grandmas as well? Oh, absolutely. It makes you the cool, It'll you'll be the coolest grandma on the block. Because and it teaches... It's got yeah, it's like how to do an armpit fart and hear some great dinosaur <laughs> and, jokes. It's everything that makes you cool. And according to your song, you can explain why there are armpit farts. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. So the, you mentioned the memoir, the Mama Gun, mm-hmm. which... Um, Sorry, there's a train going on. Yeah, sweet. Cue the train. Cue the train. Thank you. We use that if if we think you're going to say an explicit word. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) 
We always do. So, so you were going to talk about your memoir, right? Oh yeah, the Mama Gun Geek memoir. So that it isn't uh, new, actually. That came out a few years back, but um, you might get a kick out of that too because it just talks about how I sort of, um, I just sort of tweaked my lens of. Uh, parenting is hard. And so when I tweaked it and sort of leaned into my inner science nerd, it kind of, I found these beautiful metaphors that made even the hard stuff kind of, kind of more, more beautiful. Um, but one of the things that's in there is a story about my youngest son, Leo, when he was five, he was in kindergarten and my husband, Keith and I went in to go and see the teacher. And, you know, we were just ready for her to tell us how amazing Leo was, you know, <laughs> cause we just, we thought so. And she's like, okay, uh, Keith, um, Leo is, uh, doing inappropriate things he's he's doing armpit farts in line and he's telling the kids that it's science and uh, <laughs> it's all right it's science okay well that's good so my husband looks at he looks at the teacher and he looks at me and he goes well that's not me that's her <laughs> but you Damn know right. it's true it is science and i have this video oh my god it just cracked me up with my kids uh they did it on their own. They took my camera and filmed themselves one Sunday morning. Um, and my <laughs> Kai, who was, I think, seven at the time, uh, was playing the recorder with his nose. And he was playing Ode to Joy, you know, da, 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 da. And then Leo joined him with armpit farts. You know, <laughs> 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 I, I thought that was awesome. I, it think, was that's, awesome. I think that's... That's a viral video. I think it, I really do. Have and you, any, have any, you edu any educator that doesn't see that as education at its finest ain't an educator <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Speaking of which, you've done music videos as well. Um, and <laughs> in addition to that, I mean. And yeah. um, <laughs> are you thinking of... of yeah, posting them, or, or how do you post them? I mean, what do you do with them? Do you put them on America's Got Talent or anything? <laughs> no, I don't think I would be that bold in saying that about myself. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Oh, you sing great. Yeah, voice. <laughs> um, usually uh, those videos that I made, so I did, that was my favorite thing that I did when I was on the Nye show is to do the music video parodies. That was just so much fun. Um, and I took that forward into promoting uh, my book. So I, I'm uh, the, uh, I, the mama gone geek that I thought, well, you know, I want to get this out there and I want it to be fun. And it was that fancy song had just come out and I thought, okay, well, I'll do that. So that's just sort of been um, what I do for my own marketing uh, is try to make something, again, accessible and funny um, and say what it is. I think the, there's one video that you might be thinking of that I, at that point, I, it was my goal to get on um, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, okay. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, he's just not going to look at one of those boringly produced, you know, little videos about science. So I thought I'll make it a little funny for him. And uh, I made that whole video and, uh, and and I never heard back from him. <laughs> <laughs> you had great dance moves in it. Yeah. But I, I read that you did bullying prevention and social emotional issues and something about the adolescent brain that Yes, I do some, um, there's a company out here in Seattle that does these international curriculum things and social emotional learning is a thing that we don't teach in schools, unfortunately. No. 
Um, but this company is putting together that kind of material so that it is accessible. And um, they came to me and asked how I might do it. And again, my answer is always, let's see if we can bring in music and we can make it funny. Um, so I did a bunch of music videos for them, too, about um, just little things like how to control your temper. You know, these are things that we take for granted, but there are kids in underserved schools that don't have those skills, you know, and I don't have um, those skills. So. Yeah, it's true. Greg really doesn't have those skills. Shut up. <laughs> but um, sorry, I derailed that. Yeah. <laughs> he was kidding, Mary. Yeah, really, really yeah. for you to shut up. <laughs> yeah, well. Man, I had no idea. <laughs> And so um, I wanted to ask you, we changed the subject, but I wanted to ask you some examples of the geek, um, being a geek, helping you be a mom. You don't believe her? No, I wanted, I wanted concrete examples. The scientific method, goddammit. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, some of the harder things, obviously, the hard question is, you know, where, uh, you know, I remember being in the car with my older son when he was, I don't even remember how old he was, but he was like, okay, so where do babies come from? And I'm like, oh, well, uh, and I started, you know, saying, oh, it's interesting. It's like a deck of cards, you know, there's 23 cards for me and 23 cards from dad and we shuffle them and then, and then we deal out these cards and you get this cool mixture of these two. And he's like, uh, and I'm talking about DNA, right? I'm like, okay, this is great. This is a great way. To solve this and he goes no 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 but how and so i'm like you really want to know that now and he's like you know yeah and uh i remember i told him and he was just stunned and uh i'm driving and he was like uh, let's talk about the cards again <laughs> i just want to insert here that i have two daughters and every time they won't um they don't listen to me, I still say to them, okay, we're going to have the talk because they never would let me have the talk. Um, and they would run out of the room as children, and they still do that now. Run out of the room? If I say we're going to have the, the talk. talk. Yeah. Right. The talk. And they still don't know what that talk's about. I know. Well, well that's knew, why they don't apparently want to Apparently, they knew it all before I could tell them. But First, they were 19 knew. when you started. When you yes, started. I started. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have the talk now, girls. Well, how old was your son? Uh, he was young. I think he was, uh, he might have been about nine or ten, maybe yeah. nine. That might have been right. Now they're both teenagers. And so when they get snarky, uh, yes. my favorite thing to do is to say, oh, you know what's happening in your brain right now? You're on a magical journey. Oops. Sorry. That's the, magical, that's the magical journey music. Right there. That's right. And then I say, do you want to know what's happening in your brain and your body? And they're just like, oh, stop with the magical journey. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I still think that the, like the, uh, the poorly relayed talk is probably the most effective birth control. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to do anything that's going to remind me of that talk. I mean, you, just, you just reminded me of the, the a Bill Murray bit, though, with, with uh, somebody playing Mr. Rogers, interviewing him, and he's supposed to be a musical bass, oh, yeah, right. bass player. That's a great bit. And the guy's saying, you know, we're going, to go, we're going to go to the Magic Kingdom, and he goes, oh, no, man, it's way too early in the day for me. I can't, can't go to so, That's what I think of when you say magical journey. I'm going, yeah, no, I can't do that today. I would like, yeah. to, point, I would like to point out that your sons are going to be in a situation where if they're ever, ever out with a girl and the girl says, so you want to play cards? And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. well, not, not <laughs> That's 
That's terrific. You're, you're lucky he was only 10 years old, so you couldn't do the chemin de fer thing and explain the, uh, the shoe and what that looks like and how the card comes out. And, you know, that would have so uh, Lynn, too much knowledge. With all your writing and television work, have you ever considered crossing over to the dark side and doing fiction? Oh, I've considered all the time. In fact, the, the Mama Gagik, though, it wasn't fiction. It was like the closest to writing stories in that same way. So that was really fun. And, uh, you know, I dabble. I, I make my own little fiction things that I just don't send to anybody because, honestly, I have enough time, a hard time mm-hmm. trying to sell my nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it's always, always, and I've always thought, you know, like with Mama Gone Geek, um, my, my my current thought is I need to sell that to someone that can turn it into a funny sitcom, you know. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. It really is good. And it's a strong mom, and, you know, it's... It, it, it's geeky, but in a in a respectable way, not quite laugh track geeky. So I, I have a question that's, that's a serious question now. Uh oh. That really no. that really cool that really cool bottle thing that exploded on the video. What what did you use to make that do that? Was that like vinegar and baking powder or baking soda? What was that? Uh, well, there's different ways you can get explosions. So yeah, vinegar <laughs> and baking soda is a great one. Um, and uh, but you can also do diet coke. And Mentos. Mentos, Mentos. Oh, yeah. Yes. The fresh mix. Right. And it has to be Diet Coke because it's all about the size of the molecule. The saccharin molecule is a little sh- smaller than the sugar molecule. And so um, the reason why it explodes, this is, I think, cool, too, is that the Mentos is pitted, like microscopically pitted, the surface. So the surface area on the Mentos is huge. Oh, wow. Um, and wow. so what happens when you put it into the solution with the saccharin, um, it uh it like it all hits at the same time and it doesn't and and it all like uh, produces this gas at the same time so it explodes like you know really high up in the air it's really oh, cool yeah. so yeah. great it's so much fun I, you know i my grandchildren are getting getting of an age where blowing up bottles is just going to be fun so i mean i'm <laughs> yeah. going to do it and then they'll progress to bigger things yes no, you know, no, 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 no. You Before you, you know it, they'll be playing cards. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And if that's not explosive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Full circle. Hey, one-eyed jacks are wild, right? Yeah. Once you play wow. cards, it's easy to graduate to oh, armpit farts. So, you know. <laughs> Wow, I think so. Uh, we uh, are at the time. I think we're seg- the... I think we segued nicely into. But first, the last thing was like a serious question, just for a second. Just there, for a second, know? and just then it was gone. And then it was gone. Yeah, right. Well, you should have known better than if I were asking it. That yeah, was right. a serious question. Come on. <laughs> Speaking of serious folks. questions, Mary, uh, so leave your new watch alone. I have a new watch. Uh, so, <laughs> I, <laughs> The laser cuts right through cans. It's really exceptional. (laughs) Lynn, tell us your two lies. And this is how we end every show. uh, Badly. Whatever. Um, (laughs) And so it's your turn to come up with two lies and a truth. And we will guess which is your truth. All right. Try to stump us. All right. Um, Let's see. Uh, I... Spent a year in India learning how to work with elephants and train them. Um, I am this year's winner of the Bainbridge Island Chic Chicken Coop Award for Outstanding Design of a Working Chicken Coop. Congratulations. <laughs> Mighty fine. What's and, the award? No, 
a chicken. Okay. Um, and I played trombone in a ska band in the 1980s. Whoa. You are good at this game. Oh, you're you really, really good are. At this game. So I'm going with the trombone, folks. Wow. That's Sorry. Wow. I could see you playing a, a trombone in a ska band. <laughs> so, wait, so is the ska band, the elephants? The elephants. And the chicken. I'm the chicken. going chickens. Chicken. I'm going chickens. Chickens. Yep. You're doing the ska band? I'm doing the ska band just to be different. Yeah, I got it. So you're, you're going ska band, right? No, well, I, I was going to, but I, I'll go elephants because I like that one too. Elephants. So that's so you're going to go elephants? So we got elephants. an elephant, a chicken. Two no, chickens. an elephant, two chickens, two chickens and a ska band. So, so, okay, so let me get straight. An so elephant, two elephant, two chickens, two chickens and a ska band. Walk into a bar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, have you got a trombone? <laughs> an elephant, a ska band, and two okay. chickens are playing we're cards. Officially, we're officially skidding off the rails yeah. in a big way. Help what us, rails? save us, Lynn. Yes. All Which right, one you is want true? to know the truth? The truth. Yes. We, no, actually, we can't handle the truth. <laughs> uh, I played trombone in a ska band. Yes! Yes! Oh, wow. yes, thank you. I'm going home now. That's it. It's all over. Congratulations, Greg. Thanks. <laughs> well, condolences, condolences on not winning the chicken coop award. I'm sorry you didn't yeah. win the chicken coop. I thought it was so in line with your is scientific there, is there endeavors. Such a, you interrupted me, Greg. You no. know, I think there probably is a contest, but I actually personally do not have chickens because I, when I moved out to Bainbridge, I was all about, oh, I'm going to get chickens. And then we uh, house sat for a neighbor who had chickens, and I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. With <laughs> 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 I them. Okay, it's like this. Awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, listen, listen, a couple of plastic chickens in the yard are just yeah, as good. Yeah. But see, what I always say is you don't have to have chickens to design a good chicken coop. That's, That's true, too. True. That's true, see, too. I think what was... But they, they actually do on Bainbridge. They have a little... Ch- it's called a chicken coop... Like walk, right? It's sort of like you know the studio tours or the or the you know artist tours. And they go around and tour people's chicken coops. I love it. A little trolley going That's by. That's terrific. This is the right. chicken coop created right. by F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> Still in business today. It was well done. It was very well done, Lynn. You picked yes, three indeed. three things that were so three aligned with great you. Things. Yeah, they were great. Well done. Thank you so much, Lynn. This was so much fun, and I'm so glad to be back connected with you after all this time. Me too. Thank you so much. The rest right, of us thanks. feel that way too, even though we don't have that other thing. So, That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, Lynn. Take care. Thank you very right, much. Thanks. If you enjoy the Liars Club podcast and the other fine shows on Project Entertainment Network, check out the cool stuff for sale at the Project Entertainment Network store or consider supporting Project Entertainment Network on Patreon.com. And as always, many thanks for your continued support. My Favorite Story, a podcast author anthology featuring short fiction from the hosts of the Project Entertainment Network shows. Three guys with beards. Jim Moore, Jonathan Maybury, and Chris Golden. Tom Clark from Necrocast, it on. Brian Keene of The Horrors Hole. Chuck Buda, and Armand Rosamilia of The Mando Method. Mary San Giovanni of Cosmic Shenanigans. Jay Wilpin from Matters of Faith. John Urban Sick of Ink Stains. Biz Mr. Frank. Available on Kindle and in paperback and through the Project Entertainment Network store. www.projectentertainmentnetwork.com This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 